Hi everyone, I'm your host Roy George and welcome to Triple Threats and Beyond. I am here from my uh, apartment in New Jersey, and I have on the phone with me a really dear friend, Bradley Levine, and we're going to talk everything from, unfortunately, the COVID-19 situation to theater, to Broadway, to equity, to non-equity, to all the things. Hopefully, we'll make you smile. Hopefully, we'll give you some insight, and hopefully, we'll just have a good time and allow your mind to escape from all of this craziness that's happening. So welcome to the show, Bradley. I'm so excited you're here. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, we have a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. (laughs) Those were a lot of topics, and we're going to get through them all. We are. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you again. Um, How are you doing? I'm good. 2020 is not at all what anybody expected. So No. uh, I saw this TikTok earlier that... (laughs) That was like, they were doing a dance and it was February, January, February, and then March. And they were doing this, like, I don't even know how to explain it to people, but they were doing this dance and the person that was from March slipped and fell down the stairs. And it was literally oh, like, that's it's pretty accurate. That's 2020. It's literally what it is right now. So. Yeah. Um, and she, it's like, and it's only going to get worse. Like, it is. And stairwell it's, is going to turn into like a slide into flames <laughs> or something. Like. Like, every day is just, yeah. Anyway, wow. Hopefully we'll get to see the end of it, and we'll get to see, you know, the the other side. You know, I think there's always another Mm -hmm. side and a light at the end of the tunnel, but right now we're kind of in the eye of the storm, and so... Governor Cuomo said something really interesting today, and I want to, like, continue using that phrase. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but, oh, God, what was it? It was, like... Not, you know, when we get back to normal, but what will be the new normal? Because Mm -hmm. we really can't go back to normal after all of this. This is something that's just changed the entire world. So what will happen is we'll have to start a new normal after this ends and see where that takes us. And I mean, so many things are going to change between all different types of industries and public health and how we interact with humans just mm-hmm. on a small micro scale. I mean, we'll see how this, again, this new normal uh, begins and when it will be able to begin. Yeah. Well, I think the really interesting thing too is as horrible as this is and as horrible as it is to go through this, to see people rally. Um, and I try not to get super political on here. Everybody I feel like that listens knows where I stand, but um, oddly enough, the, the sense is coming from Governor Cuomo and from some of the smaller government officials that yeah. are more accessible to their communities. Um, I also think Dr. Fauci, who's on almost every day right now, is doing a great job mm-hmm. of being as honest as he can be. And yeah. that's not to say that he's not an honest person. It just is he kind of has a little bit of he can only say so much at this very time. So when he gets to speak on his own and not at a press briefing, he really makes sense. So, um, we are, we are professionals and we are performers and we are theater people. And unfortunately our, our community has kind of stopped for right now. Yeah. And uh, I would love to know how that affected you and what's going on with that. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways it's affected me. Um, I guess the first that obviously comes to mind is a financial effect. I mean, completely unemployed. I'm the type of person that has like 10 different jobs at once. 
um, to pay the bills um, as an actor, as a producer, working front of house, tutoring, all these different things. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I'm completely unemployed, um, like so many, like thousands of people. Um, the theaters that I work front of house at, you know, we don't know when we'll be back up and running. Um, so that is the, again, the first thing that comes to mind. And then obviously on a career sense, I mean, there's not a ton of acting work and, you know, we don't know when that will pick up. Um, however, it's such a strange time because, for the first time, for so many people, we have the ability to work on things. And that is a bit daunting because, you know, you want to be productive. You want to improve yourself as a performer, as a creative mind. However, you don't want that pressure to, you know, oh, you, you don't want the pressure of feeling like you need to do something. Because mm-hmm. part of it is we have to accept the fact that this is a pause. And for someone like me, it's you know, I'm trying to work with accepting the fact that I don't need to do something every day and I can just take this time for me as well. So trying to balance that. Um, and I think it will be interesting from an industry standpoint, because as an actor, how are even just something as basic as an audition going to change from this point? I mean, we will get back to business everybody's going to want a job. So it's going to be like everyone hungry for work. And at the same time, we really probably won't be able to be crowding in rooms or rehearsal studios. Uh, so that will be an interesting thing to see where casting goes. And, and yeah, at, at the same time, people trying to constantly be introduced into this industry, you open one door and there's 50,000 other doors. So where does that leave us for people that are not necessarily a name yeah, you know, so there's, there's so much constantly to think about, um, and I think I have more, but I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Well, no, I, I think that's so true that we, we're part of an awesome group that gets to chat about life and situations throughout the the day and the weeks and whatever. And, and that's kept me sane, right? honestly, having something to wake up for. And to talk to people that are supportive and all getting it, it's just like, oh, I'm so grateful for that group. And it, what I'm realizing in all of the Instagram lives and in the, the Facebook lives and Twitter lives and YouTubes and live streams and this, that, and the other thing, there's a place for everybody. And mm-hmm. there's a place for everybody to do the exact same thing with their own flair on it. That doesn't mean you're going to have the 16,000 viewers that some people have in their world. But it also means that we have the ability to create. And if there's ever a time to be, quote, discovered online, this would be the time to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it seeing, you know, Alice Ripley, Orfe, Carolee Carmelo, um, oh gosh, Betty Buckley, all of these incredible legends go live and yeah. do readings of plays and do you know, sing with their ukulele in their bathroom, in their bathrobe is fantastic to me. Rosie O'Donnell had a Rosie O'Donnell show where anyone who was anyone was on the show. And yeah. uh, it really is a testament to the community that we are a part of. It's a testament to music. It's a testament to art that it heals and it it brings people together. But I think it also lends its voice to 
really isn't a need for $500 tickets anymore. When you have shown that you can rally and come together by singing Hello, Dolly, in your living room when I've just paid $350 to see you on a stage, there's no need for $500 Mm -hmm. tickets, I don't think. I think this is such an incredible melting pot of a community where we can express ourselves and we can support each other. I think it would be easier to support each other if tickets weren't five hundred dollars. But it's a whole other conversation. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, that the, well, the ticket pricing thing is a whole t- conversation. It's like you know how to make theater more accessible. I do think that despite uh, the accessibility of having people online, I still think ticket prices at some point will go back to a high uh, price because there's still that need to see people live, to see someone, a a person that you admire, a person that you worship and love on an artistic level, to see them live is such a different experience. And the thing is, it's supply and demand. So if people are going to pay that amount, I mean, I certainly can't, but if people are going to pay that, they're going to charge it. I don't think it's going to be for a while. You know, once Broadway and things come back, I don't think tickets are going to be $500 for a long time. But at some point, they probably will. And I don't know. It's 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 hard how to make theater um, more accessible. And, and and will you know? I, I so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I and and how much longer will the online things last? And will they last after theater picks up again? You know, who knows? But there still is a need to be there in person. I think. Right. No matter how many you know Broadway HDs and. Uh, live performances you can see online, which are great. I mean, tomorrow, I don't know when this is going to air, but on Thursday, there's the One Man, Two Governors they're going to be showing in that play. I was so privileged to see that in person. It never laughed so hard. Like, I'm so glad people are going to get to see that. Um, But, I mean, I I, I don't know. I may have circled around the question ten times, but... There's no right or wrong answer, really. It's just so... It's so unknown, but it's also so interesting to, you know, see what's happening. As I'm, you know, on a live moment, this is April 1st, this is no joke, as I'm scrolling through, um, Brian Stokes Mitchell tests positive for COVID ID. So it's like COVID, COVID ID, COVID-19, excuse me. (laughs) COVID-19, So there are people that we know, that we look up to, that we appreciate that we you know what I mean and it's it's becoming more real the more people that we know um you and I had talked about we in our group had talked about a lot of the young people that were still out uh, not practicing social distancing and not doing all the things that they need to do and I know you wanted to share a little bit about that and talk a little bit about that today um one of the things that I think I've heard over you know in our group and in other groups is that there was misrepresentation of what this disease can do. And that was, it can only affect 65 and older. And then there were people in Florida going on spring break and still having their spring break plans that as much as I'm annoyed with them and frustrated with them, I also feel like they were misinformed. And so it's hard to rein back something that you were told one other thing. So it's Mm -hmm. it's such a weird two edged sword. But anyways, um, Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your feelings on social distancing and whatnot. Oh, I mean, it's our social and moral responsibility to do it. I don't know how to say this other than, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching from a soapbox. I really don't. But it, it truly is our responsibility 
for so many reasons. And I'm sure the people listening even know this. So maybe I'm preaching to the choir, but there seem to be so many people that don't and, and smart people. I have friends who are very, very smart people who are socially responsible people would consider themselves to be, I don't know, woke and yet are not practicing social distancing or they, they think they're immune. It's like, this is the time to like action speak louder than words. If you're someone who's going to preach about the environment or about social justice or whatever on your day-to-day life on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you're not going to stay home and stay away from people, then that to me is the epitome of hypocrisy. Like, so, you know, and yes, you're absolutely right. There was misinformation. So now we know better. Mm -hmm. So I hope now people understand that, it is also a privilege to be able to stay home. I know I brought this up in our meeting either this morning or yesterday, whatever. Every day is blending at this point. Um, okay. But if you can stay home, if you do not have to go to the grocery store, if you do not have to go to a hospital, if you are in a position where being home is safe and you know, you're know you not with an abuse, abusive person, I mean, that is such a privilege. So let's not abuse it. Yeah. Um, and... People, I think, are also saying, oh, if I don't, as long as I know the person, it's okay to be around them. No, not true. Oh, as long as it's a family member, same blood. No, not true. We have to stay apart. And look, you can still be social while being socially distant, obviously FaceTime, Zoom, whatever, but you can, you know, meet up, you know, be six feet apart or more and have a conversation from across the driveway, across the street, whatever it takes, as long as you adhere to that, because obviously it's not just us, which, you know, everyone's saying over and over, and it's not just us, though there are 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds dying from this. Right. Um, but it's not just to us. It's obviously the older population. It's any population that suffers from an autoimmune disorder. And then Obviously, it's for the healthcare workers because they're completely overwhelmed. So the more of us that stay home, the more we fly on the curve, then the, you know, I don't want to say easier. It's not going to be easy at all, but the better it will be for the healthcare workers. All right, there's my soapbox. No, no, it's not a soapbox. It's fat. It's I don't know. I don't even know that it's a soapbox anymore in terms of how Mm -hmm. we feel about it. I think everybody is affected differently. I think everybody. is nervous for different reasons. I think everybody is scared for different reasons. And I, I think it's all valid, um, you know, and we, yeah, and it's hard for some people, you know, especially people that are extroverted or need that human to human contact. And I acknowledge that, like it is hard. And I, you know, we see you and, you know, reach out to friends, but it's still at the end of the day, your responsibility to stay home, regardless of how hard it is. Um, but yeah. So let's switch gears for a second. Okay. Tell me about your career. How did it start? What's going on? I know you are working on a show right now. Uh, Tell me all about it. I know that the show has been put on hold, but tell me about your career, how it started, what's going on. My career is dead. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Did I even have one yet? Um, Okay. Well, you know, I graduated uh, college in 2017. I went... uh, to school at Pace University, uh, studied acting and devised theater there. Um, so I have a couple different interests and I know now it's more 
more common for people to have, you know, dashes in their professional life. Like I do this, I do that. I know you do a hundred million things. Um, so I'm starting to really try to develop the different things that I do. And, and it's scary because, you know, in, in one sense, you want to dive deep down into just one thing so you can really work on that craft. And yet at the same time, sometimes you have multiple interests. So um, from an acting standpoint, I'm an actor singer. I wish I could dance, not the case. <laughs> um, but I've worked regionally in a few shows uh, since college. I've done a couple of short films. Um, I am non-union. I would love to be union. That is a very hard thing to break into, especially when you are, you know, an actor singer and not a dancer. Cause what I found is a lot of the playhouses and summer stocks that offer EMC points, they're taking a pool of dancers, um, because their principals, they're casting, uh, equity and then their dancers, they're casting for the EMC point. So I found it's very difficult to break in uh, to the union, but I'm chugging along. I try to go to EPAs and try to get seen. I try to be smart about it. I've relieved the pressure of trying to go to every single thing I'm right for. And now I'm trying to, well, not now, but before this happened, trying to go to things I think there's actually a possibility of being seen at, mm-hmm. um, applying through Actors Access and all that stuff. And then on another side of what I do is I have an ensemble theater company called The Cult Next Door, awesome. and we do original work that we devise. Um, it's uh, really gratifying, you know, and I produce uh, that work, and we've gotten to perform in a few festivals, and at Dixon Place in New York City, we have this show that's like a queer cult horror show that we're developing, and that's really fun. And then I'm also trying to dig my way into becoming a commercial producer. Awesome. So like a Broadway type producer, film, independent film producer. And that, you know, um, who knows where that will be, but I'm just trying to get my sorts into that as well. Um, Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. That's incredible. So you are kind of putting your hands in all the fires, which is great. And in some ways, I wonder if it's selfish, like it's so hard to break into each of those individual things. And I want to do them all like, mm-hmm. who am I to think I could do that? And yet, I'm trying to do that. So I don't know if I'm insane. But again, you're also a person that does 100 million different things. So I like, totally look up to that and hope I can make it work like you do. It, you know, I think it's, everybody's timing is different. I think that um, the <laughs> One of the reasons I did start to do more things is because I was bored. I got <laughs> bored easily as a kid and growing up in my early 20s. And so I was like, this is dumb. Um, I want to do this too. And nobody can stop you. <clears throat> if we're being honest, like nobody can stop you at all. You can, if you say you want to be a podcast host, start a podcast. If you want to do yes. a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. If you want to be a journalist, go find your research and figure out how to be a journalist. I think... As much as I think school is great, and I think that it's awesome to have schooling and to go to school, all of my kids that listen, go to school, stay in school, you're wonderful. But sometimes I have learned way more from being in the field and just crash coursing through it than I have mm. being in school. And I know that's sometimes selfish to say that there are people that have spent $60,000, $80,000 a year on their, career, on their degree, and I'm just like throwing myself into a wall and hoping it works. But, uh, you know, I think... Even in in life, I've learned so much 
by being in the field than I have just sitting around not doing mm-hmm. anything. So, um, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to break into rooms and to get people to know who you are and to also to feel like you belong in the room. I was just talking to a friend of mine who is a, um, a pretty successful Broadway producer. And he was like, honestly, you want to be in the rooms where you feel like you don't belong. Cause that means you're in a good room yeah. and everyone, you know, feels that way. So I'm like, Oh wow, that is a good way of looking at it. Cause I, you know, I think a lot of us struggle, especially in the arts with either imposter syndrome. Am I good enough to be here? Am I a person? You know, it, it's, uh, and, and another thing that I'm really passionate about, and I brought this up also in our group the other day is if I get to a place as a producer where I have some sort of power or, you know, um, not necessarily power, but, uh, influence, like I want to mm-hmm. make sure that everyone in the industry from the usher from the ticket taker to the janitor who cleans the mm. theater to the producer to the actor, everyone in the building, I want to feel elevated and that they need to be there because for that curtain to go up, and I've seen it from so many, you know, I've seen it as an audience services director from of Nymph, which I did for a few years. I've seen it as an usher from a box office person, from an actor, from a producer. Like it takes everybody and everybody wants to feel that they're included. And when they are, you know, the the buzz in the building is elevated. So from just a, a human like kindness level, I want to do that. But also from a business level, it pays to be nice to people and to make people feel included. And um, you'd be surprised. I mean, anyone who has ever worked front of house or any customer service job can tell you how horrible people can be. And I, I don't know. I just I it's one of my drives is to be able to be like, you know what? You were horrible to me once. Now I'm at this level and I'm going to, you know, do the same thing, but nicer. I don't I know. That. Anyway, it's, it's the phrase of always do better, you know? Yeah. And I love that. So let's talk about your first Broadway show that you got to see. What show was oh, that? Okay. You're going to go crazy <laughs> because you've been talking about this with your students, but wicked was my first <laughs> Broadway show that I saw. I was um, fifth grade. I this was back when Wicked tickets were like really hard to get, and it wasn't the original cast. I think my alphabet was Eden Espinoza. Ah. Um, amazing, and I for Hanukkah got the tickets, and we like I had a, a whiteboard calendar in my room, and it was like a whole year of me counting down the days to see Wicked. I already knew the whole uh, cast recording. Um. And I remember vividly getting into the theater and almost like just being in shock. Because remember, I was a small fifth grader seeing the dragon. I already was like jaw on the ground before the curtain went up, before the downbeat hit. Like I was already like, oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I remember... It vividly now I've seen Wicked I don't know, like six times and I want to be in Wicked so I'm putting that into the universe okay. and casting people I'd like to play Bach anyway um <laughs> but yeah that was my first Broadway show and then since then you know I was lucky I grew up pretty close to the city so I saw a lot of Broadway shows growing up um but Wicked will always be very near and dear to my heart for that reason what um what is the hardest lesson you've learned in the industry? Hardest lesson I've learned. I mean, I'm still learning them. 
Um, It's definitely rejection. It's not a lesson. I'm literally just saying rejection. Um, Coping with rejection. Mm -hmm. Realizing it's not all about you. And I'm still grappling with that. And then it's, you know, jealousy. Like I can get to, I'm going to be a little jealous. So I, I, it's really hard not to be jealous, especially when sometimes you know someone who's not working as hard, like clearly not working hard and still getting certain things. Like that can drive me nuts. So I think, you know, I, I don't know if either of those are lessons, but dealing with those things and being able to like, you know, be happy. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not happy for other people that get successful. But I'm talking like in particular, like we all know someone who like maybe doesn't work as hard as they should and just everything comes easy to them. 100%. Um, so that is, you know, something I deal with. And then, the you know, the constant rejection. Sometimes it's super easy to just let go of an audition and like, okay, fine, whatever. And then other times, you know, you're sulking about it yeah. for a week. Um, so I think that is so far the biggest thing. And then just from an acting standpoint, like being in school and everything, I it, it's just, I think, putting in the work, um and I know I'm saying things that I can all actors say, but uh, I guess they say it for a reason. Uh, and letting yourself, you know, be vulnerable. You know, I think we were just talking about type before we started this. I think having a general understanding of type is important, and it's really hard to do that without boxing yourself in. Like, yeah. I wish I could be better at not boxing myself in, but yet at the same time, you want to be smart about what you apply for because you're not going to be right for everything. And there's a certain way you want to market yourself. But again, you don't want to pinpoint like, so yeah, all those things I'm grappling with and still learning how to deal with. Of course. I think they're, it's par for the course, you know, I think yeah. sometimes it's easier to deal with things or not, you know, it's, it's all very interesting. So You know um, what I'm looking forward to, and God willing I make it, but like, you know, those actors or producers or anyone that are like, you know, like in their like 70s and they just don't give a damn anymore. Like, I am so looking forward to that moment if I ever get there. <laughs> like, and some of those, I've, some of the best actors, I mean, you know, that I've seen like Estelle Parsons, like people that just give it give what they have, and, like, they don't even have to think twice. You know, that is goals. I love that. So, do you have any silly, crazy, horrifying, nerve-wracking audition stories? Let me think. I'm sure, I mean, honestly, my audition to get into Patient University was pretty terrifying. Um, My um, head of the program is this wonderful Romanian, Eastern European man and he was terrifying and he i did the monologues and he's like okay now i need you to do it like your house is burning on fire go and it's like oh my god and you don't even have time oh. to think and then just boom and then again you start it was like good 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 now i need you to do it like your house has just been broken into and you're the burglar is going to kill your mother like nothing to do with the you know so that was terrifying and crazy um what are some other ones i mean Nothing as drastic, I don't I don't think. I mean, more so, like, them saying, like, oh, yeah, I do this song, and you, you know, maybe a little rusty on the lyrics, and you have to hope for the best and hope you remember the words. Um, I've certainly started and stopped before, and I think that's not a problem. And if you start a song and it's, like, really bad, just, like, sorry, let me just restart, take a breath, you know, do it again. 
Um, I'm sure once I hang up, I'll remember more crazy things. But I, I think the Pace audition was the craziest. <laughs> like your house Honestly. is on fire. I, yeah, that would that would do it. And then there was a movement callback, and we were like in a room full of people, and like there was an exercise where we had to like have a partner that we like picked, but without telling them that we picked, and like look around the room and then describe like all this stuff, and I realize I didn't get a partner. No one locked eyes with me. I was like, I don't have a partner. Okay, I'm just going to pretend it. whatever's going to be fine. So then he stops us all in the room. We close our eyes. Just, we have to, and he'll like, he only tapped like two people. And of course, I was one of them. And then he taps. He's like, okay, keep your eyes closed. I want you to describe everything your partner was wearing. And I'm like, oh. Oh, fuck, I don't have a partner. So I just made up clothing. Like, I literally just made it up. Like, oh, my partner's wearing a purple this, and they have this color hair. Like, somehow I didn't get cut, but after that, I was like, there's no way in hell I got into the school. Um, and then you did. Yeah, I, I somehow, but... <laughs> That's too funny. I wonder if you've had any, like, crazy... Like, do you, I, I don't, I do you don't... ever, like have a crazy, I don't know if it's like an audition experience or concert experience or something. I mean, I, I don't audition as much anymore. Unfortunately, I wish I did, but I, I can tell you I've had some, <laughs> I've had a couple weird things happen to me in auditions. Um, I was doing, I was holding auditions for a show and I was, I'm a music director, so I was playing the piano and this woman came in with bronchitis. Ooh. And I mean, full like level 12 bronchitis. And proceeded to just cough in my face for a solid oh. five minutes trying to explain her cut to me. And my best friend was the director and he had tears coming out of his eyes. He was laughing so hard because he didn't know how to stop them, didn't know how to get in the way, didn't know how to, like, he just could not breathe. He was laughing so hard. And I kept leaning away from the person and they kept getting closer mm. until I was literally standing next to the piano. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Horrible. And they just, they didn't have the social cues to pick up that, like, I'm very close and I'm coughing and I probably shouldn't be. It was bad. Yeah. Well, okay. Post-COVID, though, that can't happen. Like, no. we have to, no. you know, it's hard. I've been in the position where, like, I, a few months ago, I, like, got an audition with a great casting director that I, like, great, this is a relationship I want to build upon, you know, uh, it's a part that I could play. You know, I was so excited. And I was sick and I had no voice. So I was like, okay, I have to cancel. And it sucked because... You know, I don't get those opportunities that often. And I had no voice. And I think we have to be better as actors doing that and, you know, understanding our limits. And not, but not just for us, but for the well-being of other people in the room. But then also, like, you know, cast this mentality, the show must go on. Like, yes, mm -hmm. let's keep that. Yes, and however, our safety is more important. Um, and everyone's safety. So, like, she shouldn't have gone in. You could have gotten something. But yet, at the same time, some people would be like, yes, yeah, show must go on. Good for her for trying. I mean, how good are you going to even be if you... I mean, was she good? Like, did she sound good with bronchitis? I don't remember. I just remember laughing so hard. And I feel guilty <laughs> saying it. And Like, I don't even know where she is. I don't know her name. I know nothing about her. But yeah. I just remember laughing hysterically, like, trying to get through her song. Uh, um, I've also had people sing to me in auditions, which is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks. Someone was someone brought in um I'm not wearing underwear today from yeah. Q and just looked me dead in the eyes the whole time and I was like, This is highly uncomfortable. 
Um, wow. I think kind of makes you feel better about it. Like, oh, yeah. Ugh, I remember I mean, performance. we've all had horrible, horrible, horrible auditions. I mean, there have been times where in the middle, I'm like in the middle of the sing. I, I remember one, I was in the middle of singing this song. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to be here. And it shows. Like, I had no poker face. I was just like, clearly didn't want to be there. And I just thought that is the worst audition I've ever given. And now it's kind of nice to hear these stories. Like, oh, wow, people really, I mean, however bad you may have had it, it's, they've probably seen worse. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember doing a show. I was doing a cabaret, actually. And I was doing the intro to the song that I was about to sing. And the intro started. And I did not remember what song I was singing. <laughs> And I like tried to, in my head, I was like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what song this is. I don't know what order of the program this is. And so now I'm just spitting out like random things to get myself ready. And I'm like, and this song is really about the character and the story. And I connect with it. And in my head, I'm like trying to listen to the pianist and to what they're playing. And I'm still spitting stuff out. And I'm like, I don't know what. Finally, I just had to say like, guys, I don't know what song this is. <laughs> And they're like, it's this song. And I was like, great. So then I started my spiel again and was like, and, da, 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 and this is why I love this song. He played my first note and I went, I, I'll be damned if I don't know how this song starts. <laughs> he was like, are you serious? And I was like, I literally have no idea what just happened. Like an earthquake happened. I had a, some type of mental issue where my brain decided not to work for a minute. And I don't know where I am. Like, it was hilarious. The audience lost their minds, but I couldn't remember Audiences love that. I mean, I've been in the audience of a Broadway show where they've literally broken Yo, yeah. character. I and love people it. love it. I love it because it's live. It's real. I think the other weird, weird thing that's happened to me was in high school. And this is for all of my kids. I told them I would never tell them this story. So now they're hearing it on this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> I would like to say a precursor to everyone in a high school show. Learn your lines. We'll start there. Any show. <laughs> I mean, any show. But, like, I was one of those kids that was like, I'll just go on the fly because I'm going to work in SNL when I get older and they don't learn their lines. <laughs> because 17-year-old Roy George. Anyways, uh, I was doing a production of Seussical and I never learned this. I never learned the words to Sala Salu, if we're being honest. <laughs> and I was playing Horton. And I said, you know what? In my infinite br brilliance, I'm going to write my my lines on note cards and I'm going to staple them into the nest because nobody can see in my nest. It was seven feet in the air. Oh, my God. Well, this particular <laughs> night was senior prank night. And right before I sing Sala Salute, it's Horton Travels by Hail Through Sleet Through Snow, blah, 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 blah. And the cast decided they were going to bring all of the elements into the theater that night. And through rain and through sleet, they threw snow and water over me. Oh, my God. And I was like, ha, 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 hilarious. You're funny. And I went to sing to my fake football-looking egg. And I usually held the egg and kind of put my eye gaze down so I could see my note cards at the same time and sang. It was wonderful. Well, I picked up the egg. The intro started. And I looked down. And there's blue Sharpie <laughs> everywhere. This is like and I went, oh, worst no. nightmare. Like, I don't know. I literally don't know the song without the words. Like, I couldn't tell you how it starts. Did you say that? No. Oh, I okay. was seven feet in the air. The director was in front of me with the script. This was a live show. The 20-piece orchestra was behind me, so nobody could help me. 
Jojo mm. is seven feet higher than me in the air, singing down to me. And I had no help. So I started to sing. And I see the director start to flip through the script and then close the script and stare at me. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> so somehow it turned into Sala Salu, By the Zoo, I Love You, I Have Some Monkeys <laughs> Too, There Are No Giraffes That Are Blue, Sala Salu. Like, could, I have no wow. idea what I sang. As long as that sounds mind, like one of the nightmares that I get. Have you ever had one of those horrible. nightmares from an old show where suddenly it's like a show from like seven years ago and you don't know any of the lines or yes. anything? Yes. Yeah. But you lived it. I lived it. And at the end of the show, we went out in the audience to like do our meet and greet after the show. And we had specific positions that we stood in. And my position was to stand next to Jojo. And he, before everybody came out of the theater, tapped me on the shoulder. He was in like third grade, second or third grade, and he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, are you going to learn your lines for tomorrow's show? Oof. Listen, my boy. No, I'm probably not. So we're going to just be <laughs> done here. No. Um, so learn your lines, kids, because that's horrifying. Learn your lines. And guess what? Professional learn your lines, too. I know, right? People it at happens. school, people that are paying $60,000 a year for high school, learn your lines. You're it paying that much learn your lines. But like, learn your lines kids if you could go back and do something different in your life whether it's because um you feel like you can do it better or the feeling was just so amazing that you want to relive it what would that be oh wow what a great question and both are so interesting to think about um i mean if i could do better honestly i wish at a young age i just took dance class like because I do find that, you know, not being a dancer is a huge inhibitor in the industry. Um, and again, I do plays and musicals. So like plays, you don't necessarily need dance, but I don't know. It would be nice to just have that skill. Um, so that's like if I were to do better. Um, other than that, like doing better, I mean, like I think I had to do what I had to do and I had to fail where I had to fail. Like, you know, I was so bad. Um at certain things and that just had to happen as far as to relive because it was such a great moment hmm. i don't know i mean certain memories from high school were great i don't know if i would need to relive them but certain like especially within my high school theater getting to perform with, you know, and, and music. I went to a school that really, really, really supported the arts. We had like six orchestras and bands and like two, three different choirs and musicals and plays and a dance studio. Like I was very lucky and mm. I had so much fun in high school. Um, would I go back? Probably not. Um, first thing that came to mind though was like going to Alaska, seeing the glaciers and who knows how much longer they'll be there, but that was a beautiful moment. Um, and I try, you know, so I don't know, there's some, a couple of answers for you, but definitely. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to think what you would do differently. Absolutely. But maybe there's nothing. And that's what you're going to say. I said, and maybe there's nothing that's okay too. It might be, um, you know, it may be that you've done, you know, you've done everything that's made you who you are. And that's okay, too. I think that's also... Yeah, and I'm still, like, I've been slow to get everywhere. Like, I've, I've been, like, my... First of all, I lost my first tooth in third grade. That is slow. Most people lose their first tooth in, like, kindergarten. And then my voice did not change for a very long time. And then once it did change, it took a long time for me to develop a register. And, like, 
I've just always been kind of slow on the curve. And part of me is like, would I go back and make myself move faster? But no, I think, you know, it had, I, you know, I'm on the path I need to be on, whatever. Hopefully that's, you know, some days I think I'm definitely going to be able to sustain a career in this. And other days I'm like, oh my God, what if I can never sustain a career in this? I hear you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Would you go back to a different time? Oh, yeah. I would do at least half of my early 20s all over again. Okay. Yeah. I'm in my early 20s, and that's how I kind of... I already feel like I need to redo them, so that's kind of good to hear. Yeah. I guess I'm not in early 20s. I'm now mid-20s because I'm 25. I think now I have to say I'm in (laughs) mid-20s. Well, because knowing what I know now and seeing... And I'm very blessed with the life that I live and the things that I've gotten to do and all that stuff. Like, It's not horrible. I don't have a horrible life, but I would definitely do some things different that would put me in a better state for education or finances or whatever. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's made me who I am. So I don't know. It's hard to say that I would change it as opposed yeah. to see if there were other options that I just didn't pay attention to at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, finance though, like we need to, like, okay. I wish that was part of our education system for me right now. It's like finance and public health. Yeah. I wish both of those things were in our, you know, I wish I knew more about, um, so I feel you definitely on the finance thing as well. I wish I knew more about it. I wish I, the weird part is that we're the ones that are now making, we're going to make the decisions in the next probably 10 to 20 years. We're the ones that are making those governmental decisions. So it's very interesting to see, you know, what, what can happen. Yeah, I think it's exciting and, and, and scary. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so inspired by so many people our age. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm also afraid um, yeah, yeah. because I find even though our generation, like a lot of times we like to call ourselves woke and, and open-minded, I find that we're just the opposite. And we actually, I, I find it so hard to like, try, to watch people try to have a conversation without arguing, without fighting. Right. I mean... I so I, I don't know. I'm excited and nervous well, about the funny that. thing is is that the same people that were the Parkland kids that were on CNN and were making a difference and are making a difference and changing the world, we also have the same group of kids that were eating Tide Pods. So you know, it, yeah, it, yeah, it no, true. But those Parkland kids are literally going to save the world. I have no doubt about it. They're already saving the world. I mean. They're full rock stars. It's incredible. Um, what's in your audition binder? Ooh, okay. Do you want to talk monologues or music? Both. Okay. Um, okay, I'll start with music. And let's see if I don't have it right in front of me. So let's think. Um, <clears throat> I have a song from my favorite year. Mm, um, what's life. the name of it? Uh Larger Than Life mm-hmm. is the name of it. I actually once sang it in an audition for the original guy that sang that on Broadway. Oh, wow. I was like, I probably shouldn't sing this, but it's what I like to sing most. I'm just going to do it. That was terrifying. Um, he gave me a hug after. That was very nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, what else do I have? I have She Loves Me. I know a lot of people have that, especially like classic theater, but I have the, you know, Try Me, a cut from that. I have a couple of songs that no one would really know about from like either like nymph shows or from um, song cycles because I like to have stuff that people don't necessarily know. I think it's definitely good to keep a couple things close to you and mm-hmm. try to find some obscure things that work for your voice and your type. Um, uh, I have 
okay, I have Sunday morning, which I love to sing, but I've never done it well in an audition. So I'm like debating about taking that out. I love to sing it. I sound great doing it in a voice lesson. It's never once been good for an audition. So we'll see. Um, I have Titanium, that song. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still constantly trying to build it. Um, but there's a little bit of what I have in my musical theater singing book. Um, I'm probably forgetting everything. But as, as far as monologues, I have so many. I've been, you know, I have so many types. I have an amazing teacher, Thomas Keyes, that I, you know, had in college and I continue to work with out of school. And he's a friend of mine. And if he offers a class, people like run and take it, especially for monologues. But I have, um, let's see. I, it's good to have contemporary, comedic, and dramatic. It's good to have your classic. Um, and then it's also good to have some character type things. So I also have Neil Simon. I'm Jewish. I'm like, please, Casamina Neil Simon play. Like, <laughs> so I have a Neil Simon monologue that I have, and I do it in a New York accent. Like, I have um, a cut from... I weave together a monologue from Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime that I do in a British accent, and I'm like because there's not really a great monologue. And, you know, I kind of just made my own monologue, which you can totally do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, John Robin Bates as far as like contemporary. I have a little bit of Shakespeare. I need to grow my Shakespeare. I have a Chekhov piece. Um, and yeah. And sometimes I'm like, it, you know, sometimes you have them all, you've worked on them, and then you still feel like it's not ready enough. Like, oh, I haven't worked on this one in a while. I have to dust it off. Like, So sometimes it can be daunting. Um, oh, I have a piece. I love Joshua Harmon. A lot of people are starting to work on his material. I mean, he is such a great writer, and he's one of the types of people that he just writes how people speak, um, especially a certain type of person like myself. Um, so, yeah, that's my... Uh, monologue book i love that i love that and then i'm constantly trying to find more stuff like you know people once the drama bookshop opens again just you know don't necessarily just write on facebook any monologue ideas because you really have to find what you gravitate towards or just spend four or five hours at a time looking for monologues once the drama bookshop reopens which we needed to reopen amen you're not wrong so um i want to Ask one more question before I ask you some rapid fire questions. Sure. Um, what would you ask of our high school teachers and college professors as people get ready to go into uh, the theater world and go into college? What would you say to them? Wait, I'm sorry. Who am I saying to to whom? The high school teachers that are drama teachers and film teachers and <laughs> the college professors that are getting ready to spit us out into the world. What would you say to both of those age groups? Okay, to the actual professors. If I was a professor, or what I think the professor should be saying to the kids. Knowing what you know uh, now, what information okay. should they be sharing? Okay, okay. Oof. We gotta have a TED Talk, honestly. <laughs> um, let me think. Okay. Yes, be kind. I said that a hundred times. Um, be professional. Be professional, be professional. Respond to the emails. Like, we've all been guilty of, like, forgetting to respond to an email, but try to be on top of that. Respond to your emails. You know, learn your line. Show up on time. 
take criticism. You're going to get criticism and you're not always going to agree with it. But there were some cringeworthy times in college and acting class when, you know, students would just be completely like defensive and not take any, not be open to criticism. Mm -hmm. Like what's the point of going to school if you think you know everything already? Right. So take criticism. Um, you're, you're going to think, especially like going, if you are in high school, going into college, or even if you're in a class in high school, like you're going to think you're going to be, you, you're going to want to prove yourself and if, if you can at all try to release, that was something I really had to deal with, especially my first year and all throughout high school and college. And I still am dealing with now as I'm always trying to prove your, prove myself. And if you can just kind of strip that mm. fear and, 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 and anxiety of having to prove yourself all the time, just be willing to fail, be willing to try things and let it not work. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, a lot of people say this. It's like not like I'm making this up, but it, it it's true. Like really just let yourself fail. Let yourself be adventurous. It doesn't have to be good. Um, learn the lines mm-hmm. to the work. And then um, take everything with a grain of salt because you could do a – I've had this – you could do a scene – for like five different industry professionals and they'll give you the exact opposite advice. Completely. So grain of salt. Um, I think, yeah. So that's, and, and just everyone and their mother says this, but it's so true. Like if you could do something else and there's another interest, honestly do it because if you're not like breathing it all day long, it's not worth the rejection and the heartache and the lack of pay. So only do it if you really, and, and, and that being said, if you do it for, let's say you get a degree in acting or musical theater or dance and you decide, I want to do something else, more power to you. There's a stigma like, Oh, this person didn't make it. This person dropped the industry, more power to them. There's a hundred other things to do and better things to do. And more, you know, more power to you. If you decide this is not for you and you want to do something else, get that stigma out. Um, So yeah, there you go. I love that. So I want to ask you some rapid fire questions as we get ready to wrap. Okay. All right. You ready? Here we go. Uh, what's your favorite color? Uh, it, it changes right now. It's green. <laughs> favorite candy? Oh, uh, Snickers bar. I yeah. think. Favorite TV show? Oh my God. Also always changing. Oh, oh my God. Oh, 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 oh. West Wing just came to mind. It's one of many. Uh, favorite pre-show meal? Something light, you know. I don't want to be heavy in this either. Uh, 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 uh. Mm. Wow, I'm so bad at rapid fire because I'm so indecisive. <laughs> Honestly, like a slice of dollar pizza can't hurt before the theater. Okay. Uh, post show meal. Okay, a martini uh, or a glass of red wine, and um, I mean anything. I love in the theater district. I love. Nitsa. Anyway, I'm not being fast. Continue. <laughs> Favorite show currently on Broadway? Oh my god! Oh my god! What's even? Nothing's on Broadway right now, so well, none. <laughs> Touche. Well played. Too soon. I'm taking the answer. Uh, <laughs> Go to musical genre that is not musical theater. Jazz and Sue John Stevens. That's not. A, that's not a genre, but I can't stop listening to him. If you could do any other profession, what would it be? Hmm. 
I have a few. Okay, maybe real estate. I love real estate and architecture and design. Um, so real estate, and then maybe politician. Maybe maybe public office. I don't know. Uh, let's see. What's my other question? Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh my god. Oh my god. Also changes all the time. Um. Ooh. There's a wonderful, like, LGBTQ film called Weekend, and it's a British film, and I can't even remember who directed it, but I love that movie. Uh, favorite old-school Broadway show before 1970? Oh, 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 Gypsy. Love it. Favorite old-school, or sorry, Guilty Pleasure Snack? Those Trader Joe's, like, che- uh, cheese doodle things. Love it. But it only has to be the Trader Joe's type. Favorite guilty pleasure trash TV show, so reality TV. Oh, okay. Oh my god, it's on Netflix. It's so trashy. It's amazing. It's called Instant Hotel, and it's mm-hmm. an Australian reality show that's like all these people that have their own Airbnbs and they stay at each other's Airbnbs and they trash them, and it is like horrible must watch. That sounds horrible. It's like really bad, oh and it's god. amazing. Favorite holiday. Thanksgiving, if I'm going to go for American holidays, and Jewish holidays, uh, Rosh Hashanah. Love it. Favorite season? Fall. Favorite coast, East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Favorite vacation spot? Hmm. Oh my god, I'm not being fast enough. I mean, I think I, I, uh, Italy, I've only been there once, but bring me back anytime after COVID ends and it's safe. Amen. Amen. And then the final question is a three part question. So we have a dream role that you've already played a dream <laughs> role that at your current age, you are able to play and a dream role that you are able to play in about 20 to 25 years. Mm, amazing. Dream role that I've played. I don't think I've played one that comes to mind from like a common play that people would know but I got to do a world premiere of a play um about a year ago and that role I just loved it was a play called Cast Noisette took place in two different time periods in 2005 and to and uh like 1890 in the 2005 I played uh this young uh sex worker and in the 1890s I played Tchaikovsky's nephew whom he had a relationship with um beautiful play by a man named Michael Whistler um dream role now that i can play there's so many like i said anything neil simon but also i really want to do curious instant of the dog in the nighttime um a dream role in like 20 something years you said um so many also um my god i have so many uh like i never even think to be honest because i I'm 25, but I only get called in for like 15. So I'm honestly only ever looking at young people's stuff. I'm never even thinking about older people's stuff. Uh, so in 20 years, maybe I'll be able to play like 30 or 40. Um, uh, uh, or like maybe I'll still be playing 20. Uh, oh my God. Sorry. This is not rapid fire. Uh, Sweeney Todd. Why not? I love it. Okay. And that's another one for now, though. Like, I want to play What's-His-Face, Toby, now. And then, like, in 30 years, maybe I could play Todd. Absolutely. So, yeah. This has been so much fun. 
And I am so grateful. How do our listeners find you? How do we support you? Uh, Tell us all your social medias Um, and your website. Tell me everything. Okay. Instagram, you know, I'm not like the most social media savvy, but I'm getting there. My Instagram is at Bradley underscore Levine. Um, Facebook, I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Bradley A. Levine. I have a website that, you know, I'm remodeling, but you can still visit. There's lots of stuff there, www.bradleyalevine.com. And that's it for now. I'm not up at the time. I don't got a TikTok. I don't have any of that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I cannot wait to talk to you tomorrow morning. I can't wait either. Thank you for being on, Bradley. It's been so much fun. Take care of yourself. Wash your hands. You social too. distance. And I do believe at some point in your life you are going to get to play Curious Incident. Uh, you're going to get Ugh. to play that show. I think it's going to be great. So Thank um, you. I'm thrilled that you were here. Thank you for being on, and I can't wait to chat with you soon. Yes, have a great one. Thank, Thank you, you again. Thank you, too, buddy. Our episode today was mixed by the incredible Kara Lee. Thank you, Kara, for all that you're doing for Triple Threats and Beyond. Guys, you can visit us on Twitter at TTB with Roy. You can follow us on Instagram at Triple Threats and Beyond. You can go to our newly built by Katie Beth Barber uh, website, www.tripletreatsandbeyond.com. You can also go visit our brand new YouTube channel and see what we've got going on up there. You don't want to miss this. Stay connected. Let's talk. Let's talk about future guests. Let's talk about past guests. Let's just talk. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for staying connected. Stay safe. Bye.